This is Mass Action Podcast. Revolutionary socialist propaganda to save the planet, smash white supremacy, and stop World War III. On this episode of Mass Action Podcast, we are joined by Dr. LaShawn Yvonne Latrice. We'll be discussing the police lynching of Adam Toledo in Chicago, the recent outpouring of BLM protest and rebellion, and what it will take to finally make justice happen for black people and brown people in the United States of America. All right. Before we get to the interview and the rest of the podcast, I want to make sure that everyone is aware of the fact that Mass Action podcast host, that's myself, John Beecham, has just published a new book. It's entitled 2020 Socialism and the Coming Great Crisis. The first three chapters, 16 Thesis for U.S. Socialists, A Vote for Biden is Not a Vote Against Fascism, and Coronavirus Crisis Sees the State and Economy. You can get this book at mass-action.org or johnbeecham.com. Again, that's 2020 Socialism and the Coming Great Crisis at mass-action.org or johnbeecham.com. Thank you very, very much. This episode of Mass Action Podcast, I am joined by Dr. LaShawn Yvonne Latrice. She is the co-founder of Black Lives Matter Women of Faith and the regional director of the International Congress on Faith and Social Justice. Welcome, LaShawn. Thank you. Thank you so much, Darren. You are uh, most welcome. Uh, well, I invited you on originally to talk about the Derek Chauvin trial, then Dante Wright was murdered, and, and there's a rebellion in the Minneapolis area. Um, now, a couple days ago, the body cam footage of the murder of Adam Toledo has been released in Chicago there. By Adam Toledo, 13-year-old, with his hands up, was murdered by a, you know, a, CDP, a CPD officer. And there's also been protests there where you are, you're actually in Chicago. And I forgot to mention too, you're also a very good friend of mine. We've worked on, I'm you know, originally from Chicago. I live in Seattle now, but we work together very closely. And it's, yes, it's, it's, absolutely. it's a pleasure to be speaking with you. And I, I guess the first thing I would just ask you is, and we were talking about this before the interview started, the lies again, right? Um, and it points out to me the lies about Adam Toledo and what he was doing and what happened and who Adam Toledo is and who his family is, just a mountain of lies. And I think you put it rightly, you told me you're telling people, no, why do we believe them? When they come at us and they say the cop did this and the 13 year old boy did that, the 13 year old boy has been murdered. You were like, well, of course they're lying, you know? So what are we supposed to, I mean, I, my opinion, we really, we should, the, the, the departure point for all of this should be not believe in the police or, or the mayor. 
What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think our first inclination is to go with our gut feeling on whatever information is being withheld. And I think that when we respond, we have to remember the narrative that is being pushed is often advantageous to those who are pushing it. So that's an issue for me. And I think it's been done quite a bit in many of these cases. Right. right. And and in this case, in Chicago, we have Mayor Lightfoot, who replaced uh, Mayor Emanuel, who in the wake of Laquan McDonald had to go on live TV and tears streaming from his eyes, beg and plead for his job because the city really got shut down by a massive rebellion. And so yeah. <laughs> uh, there was, you know, Mayor Emanuel was unable to, because of that, run again. He's trying to save his ass, his career. So staying on as mayor wasn't very beneficial to his Mm-mm. millionaire person. So in replace of Mayor Rahm Emanuel, we have Mayor Lightfoot, you know, the first uh, African-American woman, the first uh, lesbian woman to be mayor of, of the major city, one of the biggest cities, most powerful cities in the history of the world, really. And the question is, is why, and this is what I'd like you to speak on if, you, if, you're, if you're so willing, why do we have the same exact things happening? Well, I, I, I believe that when we look at the history of politics in Chicago and we think about all of the uh, improprieties that have taken place over the past few decades, um, like you said, we've had corruption. Corruption has existed. Um, somehow or another, um, the political authorities that work in the capacities of our mayor, they usually are self-serving. And so um, when you have a mayor like Rahm Emanuel, who really was looking to profit in any way he could and push his career forward at the expense of lives, um, that's where cover-ups come into play. At. And so I think when they get in the capacity of functioning Um, As the mayor, um, they often do things behind closed doors that they do not expect people to call them on. And we're living in a day and age now where the world has kind of been shut down. And because of that, we are paying far more attention. Um, So people might have looked a certain way coming into these offices, but their actions are proving to be completely opposite of that. And um, and it has distorted the trust uh, as a public servant. Uh, the public, we don't trust the mayor. We don't trust what she says out of her mouth. And it's the same thing with Rahm Emanuel. We knew what happened. Many of us were on the ground um, working, trying to get tapes released that were being withheld. Somebody was trying to make sure their election, you know, worked in their favor. Um, But at the end of the day, now we have a new mayor, but the same games, the same lies. And the bad part is, is that these lies perpetuate across political offices, um, you know, not just in the mayor's office, but what she says often matriculates over to the state's attorney and so forth and so on with CPD, the chief of police. Um, so these are corroborated lies that continue to hurt communities and continue to destroy public trust. Well, let me, I was just thinking about it as you were saying that. Let me add this or put this into the, conversation here. Mayor Lightfoot knew because the video of Laquan McDonald was released and part of the 
the adaptation that the city of Chicago has had to make in these cases is that they have had to say, we will release the footage. So she knew that she was bound, at least by the letter of policy and law now, to release the footage. She knew it was going to be released. She knew, there's no way she didn't know, that there was going to be footage released of Adam Toledo with his hands up and murdered by a, a, a cop, you know, in a lit alley. It wasn't a dark alley. You can see it's light. You know what I mean? He was Absolutely. just cold-blooded cold murder. Absolutely. So, so Mayor Lightfoot knows that her lies are probably going to be, um, well, they're going to be undone. And she did it anyway. Yes. This is this is the this is the level to which and 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 one of the things actually I know we talk about this all the time but people should be outraged, people should fight back by whatever means they think is necessary to fight back. I mean, at least that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. But also it, there's got to be some political clarity that comes out of this that this is systemic. Yes. Like Mayor Lightfoot I'll, I'll go one step further. She basically had to lie. She had no other choice. Mm-hmm. Because she's mayor of the city of Chicago and the city is a racist institution, even as a black woman, she had to be like, she had to lie to try to provide some cover. Because look, even if the lie gets undone, the lie is helpful insofar as it says yes. to other people that it's okay to believe the untruth about Adam Toledo. Because at one point the mayor said this, and now these you know, crazy black and brown people and, and their white allies and others who are protesting in the streets are just getting, you know, getting it kind of distorted now. Yes. Despite what they see. See, the thing is, the mayor can say something, and then you can see, you can see that Adam, a 13-year-old boy in the park, I don't care if he had a gun or not personally, was cold-bloodedly murdered. Yes, absolutely. That is the truth. You can, people can see things and talk about things in any way they want to, but that is the truth with a capital T. Yes. And that's the system. That's the system. And it is so unfortunate that um, we... People have elected a mayor into office who has not only lied once, but has had several different situations have where she had to pull back her entire story and apologize. Now, she has not apologized for Adam Toledo yet, but trust and believe that's the noise that's being made here in Chicago right now. We want the mayor to resign. And and the thing is, that's what she's going to do. She's going to come out and try to apologize. But here's the thing. She's so big on people being honest, right? I fired Eddie Johnson because he lied to me, right? But then you turn around and you lie about not seeing the tape. You lied about the Anjanette Young issue. Now here we are finding out the very onset of this Adam Toledo murder you lied from the very beginning saying, wait until you see the tapes because this was a kid who basically was out of control. He had nobody to love him and the system failed him. I mean, she had this whole song and dance going and her and the superintendent, David Brown, were standing there basically saying, we failed, the community failed him, the parents failed him. Oh, poor Adam, you know, it's his fault that it was, it's not his fault that he turned out like that. But here they were demonizing this young man, demonizing a 13-year-old, basically knowing that the officer shot him with his hands up. Now, if that's not deception, what is? And it's very sad because what happens now is those people who thought the mayor was 
a good mayor or might have had their doubts. Now they're they're forced to believe something different. Now, like you said, John, there are going to be those people who believe the narrative, even though the narrative is completely different now. We can actually see with our own eyes. But the dragging of the release of that tape spoke volumes if we just paid attention. It, there's nowhere in the world if they thought they had a sure a sure thing that they would have held that tape. So in my opinion, I was like, okay, someone is probably trying to do a few edits. I think they're trying to do something to try to curtail what this situation is. It has really become. And instead, what did they do? They made all these announcements not to tear the city up and there were going to be these violent protests. So all of those were signs that there was a lie out. Every one of every press release, everything was a sign. And now you have David Brown coming on yesterday. He's doing an entire press release just to apologize to the family or offer his condolences. But it's like, this is ludicrous. Are you all serious? So you had to wait for the tape to be physically released and viewed by the family and the public for you to say, um, I'm offering my condolences on what happened. I don't think so. He doesn't get a pass like that. Yeah, no one should get a pass on this one. And I understand, you know, well, where do we go from here? I understand people are like, well, Lightfoot's got to go. The chief of police has got to go. Um, And I sympathize with that. And they do have to go because they're the ones who are ultimately responsible. Mm -hmm. Um, If we're to get down to it, it's not like it's always, oh, this happens at the bottom. It's a bad apple or a bad cop. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you can see in these cases, it's, it's not... It's not a bad cop or a bad apple because the mayor ran just like Mayor Manuel ran, um, you know, a, a propaganda campaign to <laughs> absolutely to defend, to defend the cop. So it's like, oh, oh, oh well, OK. Um, so and, and look, the reason why the video again, the reason why the video was released is because there's Black Lives Matter, whatever you want to think, you know, in broad terms yes. or black people in general and their allies have risen up over the last number of years and and made the authorities uh have to change their tune a little bit maybe mm-hmm. even act some reforms here and there um people have there have been full-scale rebellions in this country's country for black lives for black lives and let's not skirt that i know the pandemic's been happening other things have been happening but that is a monumental fact and a, actually a monumental in a way historic achievement of the people to to, to say we're no longer going to take it and we're not going to obey your rules because obviously the enforcers of your rules are the problem are part of the problem that the system is part of the problem that's what people rising up and taking matters in their own hand means it means that more and more of the population is not willing to listen to the powers that be and even though that has happened and it's not easy to get to the point where like i'm going to go downtown chicago and shut shit down I mean, people don't wake up in the morning and think that. Right. That that comes right. from years of uh, injustices, small and large, and on a massive scale. People, you know, how did how did the mayor actually respond to the rebellion last last June? Right. Yes. Over, over George Floyd, <laughs> she, respo- she responded. She responded like what supposedly like all those bad dictators out there in the world responded, and worse and worse. Yes. You know, the way the United States responded to the Black Lives Matter uprising uh, against the murder of George Floyd was uh, was a violation of human rights to the mm-hmm. nth degree. Like That's more, right? right? Like, right. like more, more, really massive, right? Yes. 
So my point here is that all of that has happened and the amount of stuff has changed. Now, I'm not trying to be pessimistic here at all, uh, is very little. That's how much white supremacy and the strong arm of the police forces in this country are protecting white supremacy mm -hmm. uh, runs in this country, runs in this country. Um, it's so, so deep. The fact, you know, it's so, the fact that you could have anybody, anybody side with the murdering police officer of Adam Toledo in Chicago, mm -hmm. it just shows you because it's unconscionable. Nobody, if that was my son, they just say, hey, you got to think about it, right? As a parent, if that was your son and you saw that, mm -hmm. You, you know, your your truth at that moment should be everybody's truth. Yes. The truth of absolutely. Adam Toledo's parents should be That's right. every, everybody's truth. Right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's my thing is, would, wouldn't you want someone to stand with you? So why not stand with someone else so that you can prevent having someone to stand with you? You know what I mean? We're, 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 we're too lax in a lot of ways when it comes to things like this, because conditionally we've been programmed to believe what the media says or what the mayor says, what the political authorities say. And um, it reminds me of the gentleman in, I believe he's in the state's attorney's office. It's, I think his last name was Murphy. But for the last three or four days, he has stated that he saw the tape and that Adam Toledo had a gun. Now, this man said this at least three or four days prior to the tape being released. We knew he could not have possibly seen the video. The way that he was speaking, and this is all what was being perpetuated in the media. So it kind of pissed me off, John, because I had a screenshot of the video that I could not share because I didn't want to get the person in trouble that let me see it. But I knew he didn't have a gun in his hand. But I, before I had that screenshot, I still said, it's something to this whole equation that's not adding up. And so when that guy spoke and said that, I was just waiting to hear what he was going to say because he had all the media mimicking his words. And he came forth yesterday and and I don't know if Kim Fox did it. One of them came forth and made a statement and said, one of our attorneys here misspoke because they took the word of someone else. And I was like, what? Hey, can you, can you imagine for a second if you or I lied on our job or at our school place or to our family like that? Can you imagine? Absolutely. Considering the circumstances, there would be no, there's no justification None. for it. And there no should be rightfully. No understanding. Yep. We'd be out of there like that. It wouldn't even be a big deal. It'd be like, oh, they lied. Goodbye. You know, yep. their integrity is shattered. And so, uh, yeah, but they, I'm sure that was Kim Fox. She came forth and made a statement and, and basically tried to sweep it under the rug as a mistake. And I'm thinking, this man knew he was lying from the jump, but what incentive was he given to do that? Because it was just like you said earlier, John, it still created another narrative because everybody was going, hey, didn't he have a gun? Well, wait a minute. They froze one of the frames and on the frame, it looked like he had a weapon in his hand and so on. And I was going, oh, my God, people will do whatever they can to try to believe some of this garbage that's getting pushed out from the media. Yeah, but yeah. 
it's the fact of the matter, like you said earlier, we cannot dispute that this young boy had his hands in the air. As soon in a millisecond after the officer said, hands up, he shot him. And then he ran over to act like he was still, you know, he's like, uh, are you hurt? Are you hit? You know, where are you hit? Like he was talking to somebody that was just, I couldn't even believe it. It was so morbid. That whole thing was just, I almost regretted watching the tape. Yeah. I mean, there's nobody, and that, the gun, it's always got, you know, guns, guns, guns. I mean, that's like the whole thing and the whole thing. If there's nobody that, if there's any, institution that should not be armed in society it's police forces like quote you know quote unquote sort of like you know serve and protect or you know really it's safety you know we should have safety officers sure going around helping people with like directions or if someone gets lost or whatever else that there's a you know a car accident or some type of accident all those times sure we should have safety officers that they should be helping people out and I know sometimes I get a little dreamy about what type of society I should or we should be living in. Mm-hmm. But there's no there's no instance in which a 13 year old again has a gun or not. I mean, everybody, almost every. I mean, sheesh, there's so many guns in this society. If having a yes. gun was a crime, absolutely, absolutely. Come on, you know, he's out at, out at night, 13 year old in the park, whatever. A gun or not, whatever. You know what I mean? You can see all the pictures of white people carrying guns wherever they want to go and all that stuff, you know? Yes. Jeez, yes. People, and then, white people. There's actually a, a banner that was at the protest yesterday, which I thought was very significant, but it had a picture of Adam Toledo on the right-hand side, and it had a picture of Kyle sure. Rittenhouse on the left-hand sure. side. And one was just deemed, this is normal. And then it's like, what happened over here? It's like, oh, he had a gun. So they had that little like frame or whatever. And it's like, oh no, he's the demon. He's the devil. You know what I mean? But the other guy, he was helping people. Come on, you all. I mean, Rittenhouse (laughs) went to a demonstration to kill people with a gun. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I I just don't understand. He went to go kill people protesting for justice. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, John, I was watching Facebook Live when that incident happened. I promise you, if it wasn't for the two people that did try to intervene and I know that, you know, they lost their lives, that would have been a much worse situation. It was crazy. It was so crazy that when this guy walked towards the officers, like with his hands in the air with the gun, you know, it was like. Oh, just a passerby. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like nobody even no, totally. cared. Yeah. Could you imagine if I was walking down the street with that gun? If it was me? Oh my uh, goodness. Yeah, no. I probably would receive six bullet holes just on the thought. And you know, there was the protest where the white supremacist died and they accused um, a protester of killing him. They literally hunted him down and murdered him. Wow. You know, I, I I shouldn't even be bringing it up because I can't remember the guy's name. And uh-huh. I don't remember. It was in it was, and I don't remember where it was either. So I probably shouldn't even have been bringing this up. So <laughs> the thing is, is like, you know, I, the reason why I bring this up is because guns, 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 right? And I understand that I'm with people who want to end the the, the mass shootings. And just the daily use of weapons on, mm-hmm. in the United States to, to murder people, to get the guns out of cops' hands, more specifically in, in my frame of mind. But as long as, it, and as horrible it is, is it's why it's hard to sort of talk about it. And it's understandable. 
Mm-hmm. But as long as the conversation is, is, what do we do about guns instead of what do we do about society? What do we do to make some real lasting, deeper social chains, right? The guns thing is always going to be used, in my opinion, against us. They're going to yeah. be saying, right, if this yeah, person has absolutely. a gun, you know, they're bad, right? For example, like I'm a socialist, I'm a communist. If I have a weapon, even if it's a legal weapon in my home, that will probably that could probably use against me. If I am mm-hmm. a Black Lives Matter activist mm-hmm. and I have a weapon, that's bad. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And in fact, mm-hmm. you, you know, most of the gun controls in this country are because black people started to that some black people were like, I'm gonna de- I'm gonna defend myself by any yes. means necessary yes. in the 50s yes. and 60s and beyond. And so everybody freaked out. It's you know, it's like they have they have weapons. You know who has more weapons than anybody else? It's the U.S. military. And even under President Biden, they're increasing the military budget. Increasing yes. the military budget, a budget which is also already 10 times as much as Russia and five times as much as China and everybody else combined. It's just, it's the the, the whole talk about like, and I, I'm, I'm down with the talk and I, I'm, I'm going to stop talking about guns because, you know, it's kind of, it's it's a very, you know, it's a very um It's, it's still one of those topic. things though that's so um, unbalanced because like you said, we, we have, we live in a society where if these black and brown people have guns, they're a threat. But then if white people have guns, they're not. And so um, how could you advocate? How could those gun rights advocates advocate for guns when they want the legislation to go against everybody being treated equally. It's almost like a subservient type nature where um, I I think it's okay for this class of people to uh, bear arms, but over here, oh no, they're not worthy of it. You know what I mean? That's ludicrous. Yeah. Well, the whole, the whole gun rights thing is literally, um, uh, because white supremacy requires violence. You can't have a system of white supremacy without violence. That's right. Because who in their right mind, 12% of the population, black people, how, how are twelve? How are you going to keep 12% of the population in second-class citizenship unless you are using the daily threat of violence? And I'll That's tell you right. what, why Adam Toledo's murder is part and parcel of the system is because that is exactly what is required to keep people in their place. Yes. People to have ingrained in their mind, if you are if you are non-white in this country, and you know white people, poor white people get shot by the cops too, but not like yes, this, they right? Do. Right. No, if you are <clears throat> if you are poor and oppressed in this country, you are subject to extrajudicial killing on spot mm-hmm. at the hands of the police. That and is they a, make excuses for it because yeah, it was yeah. a mistake or. It was the the decision I made in a split second. I mean, it's always some kind of rational philosophy attached to it. It doesn't even make sense to me. No, things things that happen as a social phenomenon. See, it happens in Minneapolis, happens in Chicago, happens in San Francisco, happens in LA, happens in Atlanta. Do you know what I mean? If it happens in Seattle, if it happens in all these places, it's not a coincidence. You go across the border, it doesn't it doesn't happen as much, you know. So. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a coincidence. Not a coincidence, but that's that systemic nature you were speaking about earlier. People don't understand that the, the way there's a culture that comes with this whole phenomenon. And at the end of the day, um, people actually feel like when they're in a capacity of law enforcement, um, they can take it 
further than they need to take it and they will be okay, you know, because of qualified immunity and, you know, or the FOP is going to back me up. I mean, you saw John Cannizzaro get on. And did you see him yesterday? He got right on the news and said, this was a clean shoot. I mean, he, oh he gave this, oh, it was just, oh God, it was just so frustrating because this is a man who teeters uh, back and forth between um, whether he's a racist or not. And uh, he argues with people about it. Um, I called into a radio show a couple of weeks ago and I told him that we were, you know, part of our organization. You know, I was part of Black Lives Matter Women of Faith and we were calling for him to be fired, you know, because he's under scrutiny here. And um, he was so, oh my God, blown away that I was calling for him to be fired. And he asked the radio host, um, I need to speak to her directly. You know, can I get her phone number? You know, and he was like really pressing for it. But the thing is, you were on the show saying how you are not a racist and you you have black people in your family. And he was saying so much stuff. And I was going, OK, sir. But none of this addresses the videos that you make. If you could watch one of your videos and he goes, what videos, what videos? I'm like, sir, I don't have to repeat all your videos to you, but all you have to do is pull them up. We can all access them. I said, but the way you refer to black people and the way you use your power, you think that you have certain authority over black people. That's racist, too. Yeah. Well, the the, the giveaway is always I'm not racist, but. You know what I mean? I don't mean this to sound. I don't mean this to sound racist, but <laughs> but yeah. But my sister's been. He's that's what he said. My sister's yeah. married to a black man, and my my niece and nephew were black. And he was. I said, but sir, what are we talking about? Why are you talking about your I, sister? I, I, I don't have, understand how have, that has anything to do with anything. I have black friends, so yeah. And that whole so, I have black yeah. friends. My have, neighbor's black. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have I have black friends, so. Um, racist cops can uh, murder 13 year olds. Oh my God. Unarmed 13 year olds with their hands up in the street anytime they want to. And I know black people. I'm starting to think. Wait, that. wait, black people love me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm starting to think that um, he is the type of individual that wants to be relevant in some respect um, because sometimes he's very controversial in his mannerisms, um, he's in dismantled the system or something. It, it was just on a couple of weeks ago. Oh my God, if you if you haven't seen it, just watch it. You'll see the one where they came to Chicago. And when, um, when Solo Dad O'Brien came to Chicago, he was one of the people she interviewed about, Anjanette Young. Oh my God, just the whole way he responded. It was very frustrating for her. I'm sure if I was frustrated watching it, I can just imagine how other people felt. Um, but that's why I wouldn't give him, I wouldn't give yeah. him the time of day. He wanted to sit down with me and I just wouldn't because no I said, you know, he's going to say something that's going to make things a lot worse. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. It won't and help his case at all. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I mean, the fact that there isn't peace in society right now, that's, that's society's thing. And there's no peace with people like like him mm -mm. i mean it's just you know it's not it's not like you know out of out of well it is out of anger and spite i was gonna say it's not out of anger and spite but it is you know mm -hmm. let's be it real is. i mean it i is. think i want to just we're kind of running out of time but for me i just oh you know whenever i talk to you or whatever i or talk about this just emphasize that people my goodness if people have anything they have the right to fight 
They have yes. the right to fight back. They have the right. Absolutely. People have the right to fight for their rights. And people have the right to do away with white supremacy once and for all. It's it's right. it's it's way past. I mean, you know, it's 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 at the root of so much of what is is um is pro is problematic about the times we're living in, and it, it just needs to be the 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 shit needs to just be torn out, tossed away, yeah. and it will be tossed away by masses of people. Of course, things have to be more than just spontaneous as, as important. And I already said this as important as the spontaneous rebellions are as hopeful as they are as righteous as they are for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, you know, everything needs to be uh, channeled into greater organization. Mm -hmm. and, Absolutely. Um, and people think it doesn't happen overnight, but you know, sometimes it kind of things boil for a while uh, and, you know, boil beneath the, beneath the surface for a while, and then they they come to the surface. I mean, especially of how, how oppressed people are in this country. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of the way things happening. And you know, I believe we're living uh, in a time here where things will become much better organized, or they need to be. Um, and I think the ongoing protests um, for Black Lives is obviously one amongst many struggles, Black and Brown lives, but you know, is, is definitely uh, continues to show the way. Uh, people like yourself leading the way. I mean, I see you as a leader. Hopefully you see yourself as a leader. I do, I do. I kind of, I kind of, I, I don't know how I got put in that capacity, but uh, maybe it's just something that I'm supposed to do. But um, I don't believe that I can be silent about issues. And I also don't believe that people who don't have a voice should not be amplified through another source. Yeah. All right. So again, we're running out of time. So tell us, I mean, are there things, how do we, how do we join you and your organizations? What do we do? What do we do in the short term here? So I think in the, in the short term, everybody's looking for something that they can do. Um, I say join, Join up with your local uh, people. If you're if you're not in the same places that we are, there are so many people in every state that are looking to form ways to get justice in in so many different respects. So, um, if someone was interested in Black Lives Matter, Women of Faith, um, they could join our Facebook group. Um, they can look me up on Facebook under Lashawn Yvonne Latrice or Carolyn Ruff under Carolyn J Ruff. Um, they could also um, look up the Congress, the National Congress on Faith and Social Justice, um, or just direct message me. Um, what, what I believe, though, is I believe that everybody has a part to play, but that part might look different for people based on who they are, what they might do. Everybody's not going to come to the front line. Some people could be back there changing policies. Some people could be advocating in their communities. Um, to, to make sure that the right people run for office. Um, that I believe that it has to be a multifaceted effort in order to get change full circle. But I think the biggest thing is unity. I think that as long as we unite, make our voices stronger, place any differences aside, I think we're stronger in numbers than we are when we're separate. And so my big thing is always about collaboration and trying to stand with our brothers and sisters shoulder to shoulder to show you're not going to keep us divided against one another. Well, that is an excellent way to take this, uh, take us out. 
Unity, unity, unity. Unity. Massive, powerful unity. All right. LaShawn, thanks. Thank you again. Thank for... you so much. <laughs> it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Anytime. Yeah. I love mass action. And I love the fact that you are doing this thing to just invoke change to the masses. I love it. Well, thanks. Love, love, <laughs> love and unity will take up. <laughs> Sean, thank you so much again for being on Mass. Thanks for having me. Thanks podcast. for having me. I look Got forward it. to talking to you soon. Well, we will talk soon. Definitely. It's been too long this time, actually. Absolutely. It'll be, it'll be sooner next time. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Sean. Okay. You're welcome. Take care, John. Well, that was a great conversation, don't you think? And guess what? If you want to read more of a conversation between LaShawn and myself, you can get my new book, 2020 Socialism and the Coming Great Crisis, because one of the chapters in the book is actually a conversation entitled Black and White Unity that LaShawn and I had in the wake of the uprisings, the BLM uprisings in 2020. You can get that book at mass-action.org or johnbeecham.com. Again, mass-action.org where you can get the book and lots of other great content, links to other podcasts, or johnbeecham.com where you can also get some of my poetry as an extra, extra thing of extra something. Not bad poetry, I think, but you can be the judge of that. So my friends, until next time, keep your heads up, your fists up, we will be victorious.